Good evening, everyone. It's very good to be with you. And I mean that with all seriousness. Some people say it out of habit. I mean it. It's really good to see you all. Uh, what am I doing back here? Well, I had an op- opportunity to um, enroll in a doctoral program in education, and I took the opportunity. And uh, part of it meant coming back to the United States to do a residency with other people. Uh, people who were pursuing uh, educational leadership doctorates. At first, I was rather uh, concerned that it might not have anything to do with being a missionary and that I might be wasting my time. But I was assured by everybody. They said, no, no, it's applicable. So I started the program, and I can't tell you. Well, I can tell you. I'm about ready to. (laughs) How applicable it is. What are missionaries? They're educators. That's what a missionary is. Somebody who is bringing a message and, and they're, they're teaching it. We teach it not only in the words that we say, but in how we behave, how we act. First of all, you're looking very serious tonight. You're making me feel a little bit nervous. Is everybody okay? Is everybody fine? You're just stunned that I'm here? You... Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, So everything that I have been involved in in that doctoral program up to now has been incredibly aligned with what a missionary does. Uh, The program is actually called Educational uh, Leadership, and the specialty is going to be in technology, how we can incorporate more technology into the learning process. You know, we live in a great time uh, in the world where we have uh, technology and uh to such a degree, and it can be used in a very negative way. We hear about how it's being used by Google and Facebook and all these others to actually shape and mold your minds to think things that are contrary, really, to the Word of God, to good conduct and right behavior. So we can also use technology, I think, in a positive way. We can use it in a good way. We saw a little bit of it this evening. We had, what was it, easy worship? Is that what it's called? Worship is never easy, but I, I do like the I do like the in the program. <laughs> I do like the program, but uh, we saw it right. It was on the board. It facilitated all of us being able to focus on that one screen, sing that hymn, which was tremendous. The other concern I had about the doctoral program was that I was going to be involved with people who were simply interested in education. They weren't really interested in people, and they weren't really interested in developing people to be more than what they were or to be to know more and to do more and to be capable of more during the doctoral residency i was with 12 other people no that would be 13 there was 12 of us there so i was with 11 other people see i'm even learning to count effectively it's good so i was with 12 other people every one of them were christians every one of them had a testimony every one of them shared with me their faith in the lord jesus so in the introduction, how it began, I actually started with me about giving introductions about why we were there. And I, I told them, I'm a Christian missionary. I'm living in South Korea. I'm there to preach and teach the word of God and to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone I meet so that they might know him and believe in him. Do you believe? And then the, the introductions came, and everybody was talking about how they had uh, known the Lord. There was one or two, one or two exceptions, but the majority of the class. At the end of the class, uh, one of the students there uh, Actually, when it came time to do a presentation on lessons they had learned in the program, he gave his testimony and sang. Most beautiful voice I, I definitely most beautiful voice I 
heard in a college classroom. But he uh, he sang, and uh, uh, there is none like you. Interesting. So he uh, he sang that hymn, and then he he encouraged everyone to uh, uh, press on with education and use it uh, in service uh, to the Lord. Um, so that's another thing that uh, that a missionary is. A missionary is a servant. Um, and being a servant requires a certain amount of humility. Well, when I say certain amount, you might be thinking I'm talking about a little bit. But it requires humility in the deepest places. Those people say things because you're a missionary and they know you can't really respond in kind because that would blow your testimony as a Christian or as a missionary as well. They can say things about you that break your heart. And there's nothing you can do except to give it to the Lord. Uh, I have shared with you, hopefully, and you have heard about the people that we're working with at Itaewon Bible Chapel. And there was a family, the Van Galder family, Jason and Yui. They have three small, beautiful children, Selah, Noah, and Elijah. And uh, they had been a part of Itaewon Bible Chapel from the beginning and they were having marriage problems. And they came to me, and so for about two years we worked and worked and worked. Sometimes it would go from at the end of our meeting at church on Sunday, and he would say, Tim, I want to talk to you about how bad my wife is. I want to tell you how miserable she treats me. And that would begin the conversation. It would last until 10 o'clock at night. And Yoli is tapping her foot and looking at her watch. Come on, we got to go. But here's somebody who's coming to me for help, and I want to help. So this went on for years. One night, he sends me a text, and he says, I can't trust you. I think you're dividing my family. Broke my heart. What, what do you say to somebody who you've just spent? I mean, if you started to add up the hours... Not only that you had direct communication with them, but if you start to add up the hours that you prayed for them, if you start to add up the hours that you were talking with your wife about, how do we help these people? If you t- count it all up, the investment in time and love, and they end the relationship with a few words and a text. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So what do we do at Itaewon Bible Chapel? We talk about marriage a lot. Marriage and the relationship between husband and wife is really is really important. Especially because we're dealing with cross-cultural, intercultural, international marriages, there's an added component of complexity. So we have these young couples that come to us and share with us their difficulties they have with marriage and what I've come to realize is that in that marriage relationship the one thing they and and I'm perhaps guilty of it as well is the one thing we're supposed to be doing in that marriage relationship is ministering to one another it's not about getting your fair share it's not about her or him him is it he or him treating you right it's about what you're doing to minister to that person. And 
we're designed to minister to one another. I mean, we're, that's that, that's the whole design, right? Is that is that we can minister to one another? That you know, and it's interesting to me. A man, when he reads the Bible about how he's supposed to conduct himself with his wife, he says, "I'm the head. She's supposed to listen to me. When I tell her to do something, she's supposed to do it. And she doesn't do it. She's ungodly." Yes, brother, but you're supposed to love her. I do. Can you tell me how you love her? Um, pay the rent. Yeah, but you live there too. Yeah. Uh, I buy the groceries. Yeah, you eat them too. So we talk about love, right? Love is not a feeling. You know, I, I really love it when love and feelings come together and you actually feel the love you have for your wife or for your husband. That feeling is wonderful. It's great. But that's not really love. Love is when she is doing unlovable things and you still love her anyways. You still care for her. You still protect her. You still look at her with eyes that say, I love you. And not eyes that say, what is wrong with you? You know the look. And how about when he does those things that don't necessarily generate respect? You know, Men are actually capable of doing things that are not necessarily respectable. I don't know, probably not in this audience, but there are some audiences where there are men like that. And yet, the Word of God does not say when he acts and conducts himself in a way that's respectable, you're to respect and revere him. No, it just simply says you're supposed to respect and revere him. Oh, I do. Well, how is it you do that? Then comes the crying. Then comes the... (laughs) You know, when when we meet our own deficiency... See, because it's so easy to find the deficiencies in other people. They're so obvious. But our own deficiencies are so obscured, right? So difficult to find. In that marriage relationship, God didn't design it so that you could fix your wife or that you could fix your husband. He designed the relationship so that you might learn what you need to do to get your relationship with the Lord right. Because I've got a feeling that when your relationship with the Lord is good, your relationship with your wife or your husband is going to be good. It's almost like a barometer, isn't it? If you're constantly angry at your husband or you're constantly angry at your wife, it's not necessarily a problem with your wife or with your husband. It's a problem with you and your relationship with the Lord. Because relationships, in a sense, particularly for believers, right, they're kind of like the the vertical relationship, our relationship with the Lord, and then there's that horizontal relationship, the relationship with our wives. And it goes even at work as well, right? You know, your relationship with your boss is going to be in harmony as long as his relationship is good between you and the Lord, right? So it's a, it's a vertical and a horizontal relationship. And unfortunately, sometimes we get the idea that because our wife is doing something wrong, then she's the one that has the problem. When in reality, sometimes it may be the very thing she is doing that God is telling you, husbands, you got something you need to repent of. And vice versa. I don't want to be too hard on the husbands. I am one. I'd rather be hard on the women. Because I ain't one. It's easier to pick out their faults, you know. But 
That's what we do a lot of in Itaewon Bible Chapel. We deal a lot with relationship. Because relationships, you know, the Bible is full of information about relationships. And we read these relationships. We read the relationship about uh, David and his son. Or really the relationship of Saul and his people. We read these relationships. We understand, wow, man, there was something wrong with that relationship. What was the, you know, was it nothing ever wrong with the Lord? It was always something wrong. Uh, with the man or the woman who chose to do things their way. The Bible is full of it. So at Itaewon Bible Chapel, we deal a lot with relationships. I told you about a family, Hyungyu and Haruka. They're a Korean man, Japanese woman, international, uh, interracial marriage. In Korea, a woman who can't have a baby even though nobody would say it, is looked down upon. Matter of fact, the parents of the husband almost look, oh, we got a cow that gives no milk. And, and the feeling for that woman can be incredibly bad. So Hyungyu and Haruga are trying in the hardest, they're trying to have children, and, and it, it appears as though it's not going to happen in, in uh, the, the normal way that it, it would happen, and they need to take extraordinary measures to have it happen. They did something called, and I'm going to say it wrong, IVF. Um, and they were so sure it was going to work. And as a matter of fact, they were positive it was going to work. And we were all praying for them. And we were bringing them before the Lord and we were encouraging them and hopefully, you know, by our prayer and our encouragement and by our love for them that it was going to work. Didn't work. My concern was we're praying about these things with new believers and I'm saying to God, give them a baby, please. Because I don't want them to be praying to God for a baby, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. A couple gets married, they want to have a baby. It's a good thing. God, give them a baby. And they're doing the extraordinary, uh, making extraordinary efforts to see it happen. And it doesn't happen. And all of these times we've been praying for them and it doesn't happen. You know what I'm afraid of? They're going to lose their faith in God. I don't know how to help that. Because they have to go through the process. They have to learn to depend on God and to trust in Him, even if they don't get what they want. It's the best thing for them. But they're at a place where they're growing, they're maturing, and they're very young in the faith. They've only been believers for a few years, and now they're faced with this difficulty. What does Haruka do when she finds out that she's not pregnant? She comes to the church, her and her husband, and they cry. The whole church comes around and puts their arms around her and cries with them. Are you guys doing that with each other? I hope so. It's a very powerful message. You see, because we can be in this world a part of a church and still feel alone you can still feel like you're uniquely bad. You're not. You're associated with other people who are uniquely bad, if you will. 
And they need to know what you're hurting about or what your sorrow is. They need to have confidence in you that if they tell you, hey, I'm really hurt, that you can throw your arms around them and cry with them. I may be mistaken, but I think that's a biblical principle, isn't it? One of the very important things, and I, I never realized how important it was, was being authentic, being real. The Lord Jesus, he goes on his, remember he said he had an appointment, and so he must go through Samaria, and he meets the woman at the well. He has an appointment. He's going to meet this woman. He knows he's going to meet this woman. He's going to tell her a few things. And he tells her some amazing and wonderful things. She thought she was uniquely horrible. She tried to hide it. But the Lord knew it. You remember what she said about He knows everything <laughs> I've ever done. The Lord knows everything you have done. He still loves you. When you tell him all that you have done, it's not as if you're going to surprise him with it. Malcolm, I've known that. You think you're surprising me with it? Dave, it's okay, man. But another thing that he said to her was that my father is seeking those who are going to worship me. And that's in John's Gospel, chapter 4, by the way, if you want to read it later. Those who will worship in spirit and in truth. It's very hard for us to be real. It's very hard for us to say that we're really screwed up. And sometimes we really are. And we need other people who have maybe been through that really difficult time or that really troubling place in their life. They need other people to come along and throw their arms around them and just say, man, it's all right. It's going to be okay. That's part of my testimony as well. I want to share with you that one day I was hearing a preacher preach and he said, as far as your, as the east is from the west, so has God put your sins from you. And my son was sitting next to me. He knows it was in Peachtree City, Georgia. And I began to cry. Can you imagine me crying? Ridiculous. I began to cry. And it wasn't like a one little tear. Have you ever seen somebody who's really crying? It's, 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 it's ugly. Sweet at the same time. But I was really crying. And it was Easter. And everybody was dressed in their finest. Everybody looked perfect. And I was crying. I stood up, kind of embarrassed. Let's get out of here quick. Somebody put their hand under my shoulder and said, It's going to get better. When you're honest and you're dealing honestly with the issues that you have, and let's just call them sin, simplify it. And you're dealing with them honestly, there can be healing. But if you try to hide them, if you try to cover them up, if you try to mask them, if you try to worship the Lord in flesh and not in spirit, if you think the veneer of Christianity is going to help you or help others, you're wrong. Because we can't worship God in the flesh. He won't receive it. We can't worship God in lies. He won't receive it. We must worship Him in spirit 
and in truth. So at Itaewon Bible Chapel, we have some unique challenges because we deal with an international community. We deal with not only Korean people, but we deal with uh, Americans. We deal with, and we've had people from good grief. Uh, we've had from Africa, from Germany, from Panama, from Brazil, uh, Korea, China. Um, did I say Germany? Germany. We've had, you know, and one day... In our breaking of bread, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but I took a look back and I saw we had Japanese, Korean, American, uh, Germans, all breaking bread, remembering the Lord Jesus, where in less than a hundred years ago, we were enemies killing one another. That's unity. Timmy told me you guys are doing your study in Philippians chapter 2, and before coming out tonight, I, I thought I would just you know, brush up on it a little bit to see what it had to say. It had some good things to say. It said something about unity in one mind. Anybody remember reading that? One mind doesn't mean necessarily speaking exactly the same thing. You know, you say this, the other person says, it, oh, you said it differently, you can't say it like that. You have to have one mind, use the same words. No, that's not what it means. One mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have that one mind, the mind of the Lord Jesus. You know, we have to be made up of individuals with distinct and unique thoughts. One of the things when I came to Boulevard Bible Chapel for the first time that I thought was wonderful was I got to hear somebody who laid carpet share with me what he thought about Romans chapter 3. And I got to hear, I think there was even a, a doctor here that day who stood up and talked about what he thought about the fact that God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son into it that those of us who are hell-bent and hell-deserving might believe and be saved. So it was important for me to hear the word of God through the eyes of a variety of people. But if everybody decided that they were all going to talk like the doctor, they're all going to talk like the guy that laid carpet, they're all going to talk like the school teacher, they're all going to talk like this, it's wasted time. Speak through your eyes what you have seen. Speak the truth, of course, but through your eyes as you have seen it, as it's coming from your perspective. That's being genuine. That's being authentic. M mimicking what somebody else has said or aping what somebody else is thinking or whatever, it's not going to help. At, at some point, though, there's, it's okay to see a pattern and say, that's a good pattern, I want to follow that pattern. But at, at another point, you have to say, okay, that's a good pattern, but the Lord is teaching me and I'm growing and I'm going in a different direction. That's still a good pattern, but I'm going to take it in a, in a different direction. It's good because that's how we learn. I mean, I used to think about how Malcolm prayed, and I thought, man, I wish I could pray like that. You know, we see those who are in places that, you know, the, the Lord has appointed them to be there, that they might model good behavior for us so that we might pick up on that behavior, model it, and keep going with it. We, we see that, right? And that's good. But it needs to be unique and genuine for you. I talked to a brother one time about a fantastic message he preached. He looked at me and says, oh man, it's all David Gooding stuff. No, it's not David Gooding stuff. 
What it is, is what David Gooding shared one night. You heard it. You filtered it through your mind. You picked up the pertinent facts in context of your life, and you shared it with us genuinely. It was a completely and totally new message. It's not David Gooding at all. I, I like David Gooding, but that's not... But it's new because it's coming through your heart, your mind, your eyes. Being genuine is important. Being of one mind is important. And being grateful is important. I was discussing with somebody about my desire to start journaling and keeping an accurate journal because I thought about guys like David Livingston and other missionaries. Uh, you know, they, they kept a journal. And so I thought, I need a journal. And I've tried, has anybody ever tried journaling? Anybody tried? It's really hard. I mean, when you first decide to do it, it's fun, man. You know, I'm like in the journal two or three times a day. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich, chicken noodle soup. It was great, right? And, you know, you always got something to say in your journal, but a couple of days go by, and all of a sudden, you know, you forget about the journal. You realize, you know, it's been a month, or in my case, three years, and uh, you realize hey, you haven't been journaling. And so why is it so hard to journal? And that's because what's happening in my life that's so unique or important or whatever and so recently I heard somebody say, I keep a book of gratitude. And I thought that puts a new light on journaling, doesn't it? Sometimes, you know, when we think about journaling, we might be thinking, you know, I, I got to write some deep thought, some, you know, whatever it is. I, 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 there's some really important event has had to take place. Something has had, you know, and, and I've got to put that down. I've got, because I've got to put that and, and memorialize it for, you know, posterity's sake. I've got to have it in there. And, you know, went to meeting at nine o'clock today. It's not really that monumental, right? But this person said she wrote a, a book of gratitude instead of journaling. And, the idea was that she was focusing on something. She was focusing on things that God had done for her, that she was grateful for. And I began to think, you know, if I channeled it, instead of having all of these, you know, things thinking that something needs to be monumental, how about the fact that you're still alive today? You know, somebody mentioned that uh, a wife had passed away. I had a dear friend. His wife passed away. I was left without words. I, you know, and for me, that's that's pretty unique. I didn't know what to say. A couple of days had gone by, and I realized it's the funeral's over, and I hadn't called him. I called him, and I said, look, his name is John. I said, John, I said, I know you're very busy and I know so much stuff is going on and I don't know what to tell you. I just wanted to call and tell you that I love you. I, I don't know what else to say. And I said, a later date, when we're able, we'll sit down and we'll talk some more. Okay, Tim. You know, sometimes, right, we don't know what to say. So we wouldn't be effectively, you know, writing a journal as a you know, putting pen to paper and not knowing what to say. But we can be thankful for something. Even in that very difficult time, I'm glad I had a friend like John. You know, uh, a book of gratitude, being grateful for the things that God has done. We have uh, one of the things that happens in Itaewon Bible Chapel 
because we have such a transient community. We have people that we minister to, that we share the gospel with, some we've baptized, and they go on. They leave. And so whenever somebody leaves, it leaves a giant hole in the meeting. It leaves a, a feeling of, you know, loss. And I'm sure you've experienced it here where you've had people who you've loved and, you know, they've left and went to Korea and you miss them amazingly. But when they leave, right, they're, they're, they do, they, they leave a hole. And with Itaewon Bible Chapel, those are the things that we deal with because they're, people come, you love them, you invest in them, you, you know, they're a part of you. And the next thing you know is his job is over and he's got to go back to the Brazil, United States, wherever it is. And, you know, you're probably not going to see them again. And, you know, it's not as if you see these huge numbers being built up in the, in the church and, you know, wow, you know, everything is great, everything is wonderful. It's a constant sense of, you know, you can never sit back and, you know, uh, take your ease, you know. It doesn't happen. And so one of the things we deal with in uh, Itaewon Bible Chapel is turnover. I want to share with you before, in closing, a little about what's happening with Korea on the political scene. Uh, we all know North Korea is divided somewhere in the middle, approximately the middle, and we have a north and we have a south, and they don't seem to like each other. What we don't know is that they're still technically at war with one another. And uh, in our meeting, we uh, Wednesday nights, we, we pray, uh, as, as I learned to do here in Boulevard Bible Chapel, that we should pray for those in authority that we might lead, lead quiet and peaceable lives I don't know who prayed that almost every night I was here except for Malcolm. <laughs> but that uh, left an impression on me, and so uh, we, we incorporate that, and we pray for world leaders. And because we have people from the Philippines and Japan and uh, uh, other places, the U.S., uh, we, we pray for them by name. And uh, so we're praying for people like Duterte, Kim Jong-un, um, Donald Trump, uh, Shinzo Abe, and it has a personal meaning to them because they're they're connected with that country or some some something there, and uh, so to hear what's going on now that we are going to have a direct talk about ending the war. This is, it's big it's a big deal um, because before there can be reunification, the war has to come to an end. Technically, they're still at war. Uh, this guy Pompeo meeting with Kim Jong Un. I think I think. I may be wrong, but I think this is the first time since the end of uh, the conflict that we've ever had that level, that high level uh, uh, talk. And so uh, if Trump is going to end up sitting down with Kim Jong-un, with Moon Jae-in, the other, uh, the, the South Korean president, I think we're going to see some big changes in South Korea, uh, in Korea as a whole. Remember, when we think of South and North Korea, we think of two different people, but that's not the case. It's It's like... South Florida and North Florida, and all of a sudden somebody drew a line and said, you can no longer, you know, visit or go. They're the same people. They're exactly the same people. And that line has been, their country has been cut in half. And so when we talk about unification, and I'm all for it, because what used to be known as the Jerusalem of Asia, which is Pyongyang in North Korea, is now a completely godless society. They have... They have nothing there at all. So these talks that are going on, they're very, very important, and I think they're going to lead to something very positive. Uh, I would love to see a door open that we can go to North Korea and share the gospel. 
um, that it might be restored to its former uh, uh, heights of, of uh, evangelistic zeal because they really were uh, evangelistic. And uh, it was a primarily a Presbyterian movement, but uh, they were fit and sound believers that were, that were carrying on the work there. And then after the war, of course, it shut out. And so believers were able to function without fear of persecution uh, in the South, whereas in the North it was done. Yeah, it's over. So these talks that are taking place, I think we're going to see some, uh, some positive movement. I think we're going to see unification maybe, maybe in my lifetime. I hope so. With that, if there are any questions, any thoughts... Are you talking about substitute teaching? Yeah, oh, that's oh, okay. You're doing the substitute teaching mm-hmm. while you're there. And did, does this degree that you're working on have to do with, with that? Well? That's that's more towards the calling. It has nothing really to do with uh, with the school. More towards the calling uh, to be an effective missionary and to really expand on on what I what I know, what I'm capable of. So it's learning uh, to be a better missionary. I hope that makes sense. I, I didn't bring up substitute teaching, but it's a tremendous avenue into another community. I'm teaching at a place called Seoul Foreign School. It's a Christian school, and or at least it had its roots in Christianity. I'm not sure where it is right now. I don't see a lot of... Um, I don't have, a, have that sense that they're really... Really, they really maintain the original idea of the school. Um, I think it's become very commercial, and so they're really trying to bring in as many students as possible, regardless of their uh, background. And so there's, and there's not much of an evangelistic effort there. But uh, you will see verses of scripture. You will see things that are, you know, monuments and plaques that go back to the time that they were there. So I'm able to go, uh, maybe. Maybe four or five times a month, uh, they they invite me out when a teacher is sick or something, and I go out and I can sit in the classroom and I get to meet the kids, and um, that's that's good. Uh, I I really enjoy that, and it's an avenue into another community, and uh, it's been very helpful. Helpful to have that. So you can freely share the gospel. Oh yeah, yeah. The, I teach uh, often. I teach a um, Christian studies class. Which is really interesting because they they have like a curriculum set up to teach the Bible, and so I feel complete liberty to you know just go with it you know so i i don't I don't feel impeded at all in any way there's no restrictions they never put any restriction on it, so I'm very evangelistic as i as I teach that Christian studies class, and many of the students in there they have they have very little Bible background, and so it's good to be able to to share with them. Uh, things from the Word of God. What yes, I'm sorry. That's middle school. So they're um, uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Incidentally, I never thought I would like sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Are there any here? Yeah, I like you guys. You're cool. Um, they're really at a great age. Um, I. To be honest, I thought I'd be a little intimidated by them, you know, because they're they're so small and wiry, 
You know, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle them. But actually, I had, I've been teaching in the high school and middle school, and I actually prefer the middle school. They're, they're just cool. That's, a, I'll leave it at that. They're cool. There's a lot of Korean children there, and so uh, I I teach because it's an English uh, speaking school. I teach in English, but because there are so many Koreans there, I have a lot of opportunity to speak to them uh, in their heart language. And usually, it goes something like this: uh, during the class, don't speak uh, Korean, please speak English. And then, because it opens the door for them to say, "Wow, you speak Korean," then <laughs> so we end up speaking Korean. But uh, uh, they have they have a policy there. They want the students to use English because that's more than likely the reason that their parents uh, have put them in that school is so that they will be able to learn academic language and be able to use that in school. You said John three sixteen Korean. 하나님께서 세상을 이처럼 사랑하셔서 그의 독생자를 uh, oh, no, brother, you got me all confused. <laughs> 하나님께서 이 세상을 이처럼 사랑하셔서 그의 독생자를 믿는 자 누구든지 멸망하지 않고 영생 얻게 하려 하심이니라. Yeah, that was a recipe for banana bread. <laughs> no, that was John 3.16 all the way. <laughs> Any other questions? Well, once again, let me tell you how happy I am to be back and to see you all here. It's good. You guys have a great Wednesday night turnout. I wish there were more, but at Itaewon Bible Chapel, sometimes it's just me and Yoli. So I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see so many people out midweek, uh, to, uh, learn and, and grow in the Word of God. And please, what you learn, apply in your life and be so bold as to share it from time to time if the Lord opens the door. Yes, brother. Yoli is doing very well. Thank you for uh, doing that in my forgetful way. Uh, Yoli had, uh, I think some of you may have known she had, uh, she was diagnosed with diabetes, but I think it was like at a very early stage. And so she's been getting exercise, watching what she's, what she eats. And the last couple of visits she's been there, there's been no, uh, elevated, uh, blood sugar. So they, she really doesn't qualify as being a diabetic now, but she still takes the, she still, still takes the medicine. And she's doing well. Praise the Lord. He's faithful though, brother. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had some health issues. Uh, I'm taking, uh, blood thinners to prevent, uh, stroke. Um, in my zeal to exercise, I was running and, uh, I went out early in the morning to run and I, uh, put my foot on a sidewalk. It was on, uneven and I twisted my foot and I finished the run, but I had this throbbing pain in my foot. I thought, oh, it'll go away, but it didn't go away, and I had actually broken my foot. Um, no pain, no brain, so they say. But, uh, and it really, it really set me back because I, I'm, I'm convinced that when we put too much on our plate and try to do too much, the Lord might need to just slow us down some. And I think that was the Lord's way of slowing me down a little bit. And so, uh, I'm not quite as aggressive in exercise, so I'm probably putting on a little bit, but I'm uh, much more rested. Well, once again, I'm very happy to be here. There was a there was a song, and I don't know if we have the words for it. Um, don't think me poor, deserted or lonely. I'm just a pilgrim. Right? I, how's it go? I I, I don't forget. Do we have the words of that song? Isn't that I got a mansion? Yeah. That is, I got a mansion. Yeah. 
I'm satisfied with just the cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I've got a mansion that silver line. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wander but walk the streets that are pure as gold. Anyways. Okay, you know the rest. Tormented and tested, and like the prophet, my pillow a stone. And though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a mansion my own. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday under we will never more wander and walk the streets that are pure as gold. Oh, there it is. Don't think me poor or deserted or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion, a harp and a crown. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday under we will never more wander but walk the streets that are pure as gold. Excellent. Thank you for that wonderful singing. Should we close in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. We think of all those uh, names and issues that were on the board this evening, and we can easily conclude that we are a poor and needy people. But we are so grateful that we have a God who knows all of our need. And we can say like David, there is not a word on my tongue, O Lord, but lo, thou knowest it all together. How many times, O God, our Father, have we prayed and say, thou knowest, Lord, thou knowest. We don't have the words sometimes to express fully what we feel and what we need, Father, but we know that you know. And so we come to you with confidence and in the confidence of your love and in the confidence of your word, that you are able to meet all of our need. And praise the Lord, not just our need, but you also give us from time to time those wants that we have, Father.
So we thank, we're thankful. We forget, oh God, our Father, just what it is that you have done for us from time to time. Help us never to forget. Help us to always remember. We think of that simple meeting that you've called us to on the first day of the week to remember thy son, the Lord Jesus, and to show forth his death. How soon we forget. How soon our hearts grow cold. Help us, O oh God, our Father, to stay connected with you and to stay in tune with you and to stay uh, with you that we might walk with thee according to thy will and purpose for us in our lives, that we might be strengthened and we might encouraged and not be discouraged and we might go on and do those things you've asked us to do, that we might, if you will, uh, lose our life for thy sake, Lord Jesus, that we might find it truly. We ask for thy help, O God, our Father. Dismiss us from this meeting with thy blessing. Keep, O God, our Father, our hearts together, united with one another, that we might cry together, laugh together, uh, walk together, help each other, support each other, and love one another. Help us, O God, our Father. We think of uh, John who said he had no greater joy than to know his children walked in love or in truth. We just thank you for this, O God, our Father. Help us to live and to walk accordingly. We love thee, O Father, for thou hast first loved us. We pray and give thee thanks in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.